During this podcast, we will discuss triggering subjects such as abuse, domestic violence, drug and alcohol abuse, and more. If you or someone you know is struggling with abuse or domestic violence, please call 800-799-7233. Again, the number is 800-799-7233 or visit thehotline.org for more help. Remember, you are not alone and you are loved. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Walking with the King podcast. I'm your host, Teresa King, and I have two wonderful ladies that are joining me today. Hey, what's up, you guys? It's Celeste. Hey, everyone. It's Linda. So I met these two wonderful ladies in Celebrate Recovery. Like I mentioned, (laughs) like I mentioned last week in my podcast, Celebrate Recovery is a 12-step organization that, you know, helps people go through hurts, habits, hangups in any shape or form. So these two girls I met in my abuse recovery group. And honestly, guys, these are two of the closest friends I have at the moment. So I'm really glad that y'all are here. We're glad to be here. I'm so honored. Yes, super excited, super happy. Awesome. So this episode, we're going to go pretty deep. I gave a warning in the beginning of the episode, so, but it's going to get real. Mm -hmm. Um, Just another warning again, another trigger warning. We are going deep into abuse, domestic violence, um, drug and alcohol abuse, um, sexual assault, all that, all that stuff. So um, if this podcast is going to be triggering to you. Um, I love y'all guys, and I'm so thankful for y'all's support, but um, please take care of your mental health. Um, the reason for this podcast is not only to give glory to God, I mean, that's the number one thing, but to also create awareness on what it looks like to be in an abusive relationship. Um, it could be emotional, mental, physical, sexual, um, so many different types of abuse. And, you know, we're just here to kind of share our story, give other people, you know, the, just like a little heads up, like, hey, this could be something that you're going through, and also, you know, where to go to get some help. So, you're all ready? Super ready. Super ready. I've I've been born ready, girl. Born ready, made for a time like this. All right, well, let's get into it. So, Linda, tell us a little bit of how it all happened for you. Okay, well, I was born and raised in San Antonio. I am currently 37 years old. And my abuse started uh, really my entire life, but for it to be recognizable to me when I was six years old. That's that's really when I started to realize something was off. Celeste? Hi, everybody, it's Celeste. I am 30 years old and I'm born and raised in San Antonio, Texas. Um, I would personally have to say as far as any type of abuse, um, it started when I was five years old, but as far as like sexual abuse, uh, 
that didn't start happening till I was 16 years old. Mm. Yeah, same here. My abuse started when I was um, 16, going on 17. Oh, wow. Yeah. So did y'all realize, like, what your abuser was doing was normal? Like, did y'all ever think it was y'all's fault or... Well, I know for me, my sexual abuse started when I was six years old. And when I look back on it now, it makes me upset just because of how, uh, how hidden it was. And what I mean by hidden, my father was a very abusive man. So it was normal in our household to have our hair pulled. It was normal in our household to be told to just, you know, shut up, sit down, you don't talk. So when my abuser started to give me attention, I didn't realize how wrong it was because I was a six-year-old little girl and all I wanted was to be loved by my father. So instead of getting that love from my father, when this man started to show me that attention, I was like, oh, this is, this is how it could be. You know, I'm special and he loves me a special way when all that really was was just him preying on a little girl's mindset. So it, it took that man abused me like that from the age of six up until I was eight when we moved away. And by the, by the very end of it, that's when I started to realize, like, this is not normal, this is not okay, this is not right, and nobody's doing anything to help me. You know, I can talk to anybody, which is like a whole nother thing too, so I'm just gonna <laughs> leave it at that for now. Thank you so much, Linda, for sharing that. I, I really appreciate you being so vulnerable with that with your story mm -hmm. um for me i would say that when i first got sexually abused um when i was 16 years old it was by an ex-boyfriend that i was no longer with and him and i were you know high school sweethearts but kind of on and off because it was a very codependent toxic relationship but the thing was is that i thought that was love because that's the first boyfriend I've ever really had that said I love you you know like we're gonna get married and like I know it sounds crazy because you know I'm 16 years old but I grew up on watching like Disney movies and like you know having a fantasy world in my head thinking you know what this is how it's gonna be this is how it's supposed to be right but it was never reality it was never the true reality of what love is or what marriage is and so I grew up having my mom and dad you know they're still together to this day and the thing is is that my dad has always been kind of a workaholic he works six sometimes seven days a week um, I know he's just trying to provide for the family but by doing so uh, it was really hard for me because I never had a male figure in my life to kind of guide me on how I should be loved by the opposite sex, um, kind of showing me healthy boundaries and stuff like that. And, you know, I don't blame them for how I was raised, um, you know, because they are still people at the end of the day. And I just, I, I kind of think back now and I'm like, you know, he was just trying his best on what his father or mother taught him. And so at the time, me getting all of the love bombing, you know, the affection from a male 
I, was, I thought that that was normal because I was not receiving any type of love at home. So I thought it was acceptable. And the first instant that it happened, um, I just was like, I didn't want to tell anyone. I didn't want to, you know, my, I mean, my parents were in the same house when it happened, but they were on the other side of the house. And so it was very embarrassing and just... It's something I kept with me for a while, but I know we can definitely um, talk more on that with the next few questions. Celeste, I feel like you and I had like the same experience because the same thing happened to me with a very codependent, toxic relationship in high school. Um, he was younger than me too, so it was kind of weird, but I just remember like my mom saying like, you know, like, this guy, like, I don't think you should go with this guy. I don't think he's good news. And I'm like, oh, mother, but I love him. And, you know, I thought I was going to marry him. And it turned out to be, like, really bad to where it was more like a manipulation. And then it turned into emotional abuse. And later it was sexual. And, you know, like, I'm so blessed to have, like, a father to where he you know, shows me how a man is supposed to respect a woman. But at the same time, it's like I was just so brainwashed by my ex to where I was thinking like, oh, well, this is how we're supposed to be loved. Like, no one's going to love me as much as he loves me. And it kind of got to the same point where it was embarrassing because things would happen in front of people and, you know, people didn't really click, you yeah. know. I think that's the worst of it because I mean I was in a relationship when I was 15 to a guy three years older than me so he was already 18 and then again when I was what 21 I got into a second relationship and both of them were like that and it w it's almost just like this constant echo and a constant reflection of what we experienced or what we went through as a child you know but yeah it, it's just crazy how all of that ties into one another it's it's insane yeah most definitely um, going into this, like, did your abuser ever use um, love as a form of, of punishment or, like, for something that you were doing wrong? Like, did they ever... Can we define love for a second? Because some people will say mm. sex is love. Some people will say gifts is love. Come Other on, girl. Preach <laughs> it right Cuddling is people. love. Like, what kind of love are we talking about? Or are we talking about all of the above? All of the above. Okay, so um, I got my nose broken when I was eight years old, no seven. And it was because, okay, so when I was getting molested, I had a friend and she was also being molested, right? So one day she told me, she's like, hey, you know, if you tell them no, they won't touch you anymore. And I'm like, what? And she goes, yeah, just say no. Because we, I was raised that you don't question a man. You don't say no to a man. Whatever they tell you to do, you do it, whether you like it or not, that's it. So I was like, it cannot be that simple. And she's like, yeah, it really is, go try it. So um, that night I went home, you know, he creeps up into my bedroom and I looked at him and I said, no, no, this was my father's friend who was living with us. Right. And the look on his face was just like pure rage. He's like, what do you mean? No. And I said, you are never going to touch me again. This is never going to continue anymore. No. Right. And he just walked off. And in my heart, I was just like, oh, my God, the nightmare is over. And it was just because of that one word. No right so the next day we were outside and he wanted me to play 
with him, right? And I told him no in front of everybody. I said, no, I'm not going to play with you. And again, that same anger was just building up in him. And I walked away. So as I'm walking away, he calls me and I turn around. And by the time I had turned around, he had thrown a baseball at me. Okay, I love playing baseball. I'm a very like active, athletic person. So the baseball hit me right in my nose, broke it. And that's the kind of response I got. Even with my other relationships as I got older, they always had a tendency to be more physical. You know, it was never really like, I'm not going to have sex with you. For me, it was always like, no, you're going to do it, whether you like it or not. And I don't care how much you fight. So, um, I guess, like, it also kind of, like, hurt, like, especially at eight years old, that kind of hurt your mindset to where, like, even if I say no, it's still going to happen. Or I'm going to get something in return for saying no. See, so, like, I told my parents. It's not like I didn't tell them. I told them what was going on. And I got slapped in the face. And I was told, that's not happening. Be quiet. So here I am now with a broken nose at the beginning of summer, like school had just let out and the whole summer I couldn't go outside. I couldn't play like it was the worst summer ever. And like for me, I still have this broken nose. So when I look in the mirror, it's like a constant reminder. And I think that's why he did that, because it's like you want to tell me, no, I'm going to make sure you don't forget this, you know, Mm -hmm. and even with my other relationships, um, that's that's just how it was. But then it got even more twisted. Because, like, um, I I don't know why this keeps happening to me, but I somehow seem to attract, like, you know, wealthy guys, you know, guys that are doing okay. So when I was 15, that relationship, every time he'd do something wrong, every time he would hurt me and abuse me, it was always followed up with some type of gift. You know, here's a ring, here's a bracelet, you know, here's a car, here's some money. And I hated how people on the outside would be like oh my god he really loves you and i'm like you don't understand he's paying the penalty for the crime he committed against me yes that's what that is it is not out of love it is not affection it's not because he truly cares about me it's Mm -hmm. to soothe his own guilty conscience that's what that is and it furiates me sometimes that there are so many young ladies out there that are in these abusive relationships to where and you're told this is a little girl Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, well, a man really loves you if he gives you jewelry. He really loves or you if he, he buys you chocolate. He likes you if he's being mean to you. Yes. He and likes it's like, you. you know what? No. Yeah. No, no. So, yeah, they did withhold love. But I think, honestly, for me, I don't think the men that I've been involved with were ever capable of loving anyone, not even themselves. Oh. Wow. That's a different way to look at everything, huh? No, like for me, um, my ex, I swear, every single night, it felt like every single night, but um, he like had like a bunch of friends, obviously, but when they would go like hang out at like one of their friends' houses, um, he would like make an argument with me and like make it seem like everything was my fault. And it could have been something like I wore makeup. Or I put on mascara or I wore like a nice shirt rather than a t-shirt because for the longest time like he was like if you dress up for school or put on makeup you're trying to impress yourself for other guys or yeah Yeah. or but if I don't look presentable like I let myself go did he ever tell you that he shouldn't have to fight over you yeah right don't don't do makeup because then I have to fight over you Mm -hmm. and you shouldn't be looking good for anybody but me 
Yeah. You heard that too? That's so ridiculous. And like, you know, my senior year, I had a really nice, like, friend. Like, I had, like, these two kids. They were freshmen, by the way. I was a senior. I was 18. And these two little freshman guys, like, they're, like, my little brother. And he was, like, so jealous. Like, I'm going to kick their booty if you continue to talk to them. I'm like, they're my friends. And I couldn't have any friends. Like, I couldn't couldn't have any friends. Like, I couldn't have any guys that were friends. I couldn't have, like, any friends that were gay. But you can't say anything about his friends, right? Yeah, I can't say anything about his friends. Because if you you try to stop him from hanging out with his Mm -hmm. friends, oh, well, you're being a B word and you're just trying to control me. And now the relationship's over. Yes. And it's your fault. Exactly. These mind games, man. And, like, it got to a point where I lost so many friends because of it. And, like, you know... I look back and I'm just like thinking like he had did so many things in front of my friends and they didn't do anything about it but at the same time like I can't blame them because what do you do yeah we're in high school like we don't understand like we don't know what abuse is or what it means to be abused but like no going back to the story like for the every single night you have we all have an argument and at the end of it he would end up blocking me on social media, blocking my phone number. And every single night, I would be crying in the bedroom, like, oh, my gosh, like, we broke up. It felt like we broke up every single night. But it was, like, now looking back to it, like, he was, like, punish me, punishing me mm-hmm. from love over something that I did, quote, unquote, wrong. Yeah. Did you ever get the, like, suicide threats? to where you know I'm gonna I'm gonna kill myself and if you don't do this I'm just gonna kill myself Mm -hmm. like that's the only reason why I got with my first boyfriend was the suicide threat and why do they use that that tactic on us like because I feel like especially and I know people like to throw the narcissism you know uh label around but it's like I feel like narcissists specifically pick out women that they can just tell that they're vulnerable, that they don't know mm-hmm. their worth, that they're just, you know, sweet. I mean, obviously, not we're not all innocent, but just the fact of, like, I can tell she's inexperienced. She doesn't really know what it's like to be with a guy like me. I'm just going to love bomb her in the beginning. And then afterwards, I'm going to go ahead and let my true self come out where she's already entangled with me. The soul ties have already begun. So now mm-hmm. it's like we can't separate because we're a mesh and I feel like that happened with me and my relationship that I was in for like three years and I mean it was like this guy was like pulling things left and right you know I I said I didn't want to go to the strip club and he was like a really known DJ in town and he wanted to like take me there because I've never been and like he knew where I stood on that I was like I don't feel comfortable in this and that and like he just he took me there anyway he didn't listen to me and then saying like oh we got invited to a party like a sex party afterwards like my ex-girlfriend's gonna be there like we should go and I would get mad at him and I'd be like dude you're not honoring me at all by doing all of this but then then again at the same time I was like wait a minute like this is this was at a point in my life where I was like one foot in the world and one foot with Jesus I did not make him lord of my life at this time so I was just like whatever because I was under his quote spell he was my god the lord god was not my god like 
this guy was my God because I was just like doing whatever because I was so codependent with him and I was like, I don't care what it takes. Like, I'm going to make sure he knows the Lord. Like, it was just so toxic. This is not the same guy that with when I was uh, 16 years old. This was back in like 2017. But just thinking about that and like thinking about that girl that I used to be, it just, it, it makes me sad and it gets me so fired up when I see other women going through the same exact thing but at the same time it's like I can provide nothing but grace for them because at that time that's what I needed and I I did not need people to remind me like you need to come to church Celeste and oh you need to be uh back with your original friends because I I know now that you know when it, if it's a bad relationship it's going to take all of your friends away yeah. you're going to be friends with all of his friends mm -hmm. and then you're going to be doing whatever he wants to do yeah. and anytime you suggest what you want to do he's like oh uh, you know like it's just starting an argument yeah. and mm -hmm. then it's like i mean i i this guy would be like oh why don't you plan something why do i always got to plan something yeah. <laughs> and i'm just like bro <laughs> like what like what are you talking about like mm -hmm. you know you used to take me out on dates and it would be just us. Now it's always us and your friends getting drunk, doing all these drugs. You know, I don't feel validated. I don't feel valued. And I'm like, you know what? Now it's like that I have made Lord, you know, of my life, made Jesus Christ Lord of my life. I realized he's doing all this because he didn't have Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you don't know the love of Jesus, you're not going to know how to Preach. love me. And so it's like, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with that kind of stuff. So... But any any woman or even man who's listening to this podcast, I just I want to let you know that even if you're in that type of situation right now, you know, it's not going to be like that forever. Yeah. And you are going to find your healing and you're going you are going to find out that, you know, you're not going to be bound by your abuser. Like it is possible to get out. Yeah. You just have to be willing to trust God and trust the process and to know that he's going to take care of you in that moment to finally say I'm done yeah so true and I, I wanted to say really quickly it's funny that you said uh, that these guys almost can see you know and pick out a certain type of woman and in my mind that scripture just popped in you know that our adversary roams around like a lion right so if we think about how a lion hunts its prey it doesn't go after the strongest of the herd yeah. it goes after the weakest it sits there and it observes and it watches and it waits for the opportune moment and then it jumps and it strikes. So um, it's, it's really hard. It is really hard to identify the enemy if you don't know who the enemy is or who's on your side, who's for you, because then everybody becomes an enemy, even those that aren't. So yeah, I just, for me, that just stuck out. Like, that's what they do. Yeah. They, they uh, um, so... How did y'all feel when y'all were at your lowest? Did y'all ever feel like a rock bottom? I definitely did hit rock bottom, but it didn't happen overnight. You know, it wasn't one of those things to where I hit rock bottom, you know, when I was a young girl or in my teenage years. What ended up happening was that, you know, I got molested at a young age. I got into my first uh, sexually active relationship when I was 15 and we were on and off until I was about 19. I was single for a year, and then I got my second abusive relationship from the time I was 21 to 25. Now, when that relationship ended, um, 
he was it was very abusive um he did kidnap me and rape me he did stalk me and that was almost like the catalyst of going into the bottom as crazy as that sounds that wasn't even the worst of it so what i what i decided to do in my mind wrong thinking dominating of course i thought to myself that if i just made myself as disgusting as possible he wouldn't want me anymore and in my mind the only thing i could think to do to make me as disgusting as possible was to become an escort so i did that i became an escort and i did that on and off for two years and i became everything that i hated you know i hate having blonde hair so when i was an escort i dyed my hair blonde i i hated going to parties and when i was an escort that's all i did was party and make you know social appearances and wear that mask and parade around like that and it was awful i hated it but it still wasn't my rock bottom despite all of that god in his wisdom still brought men into my life that were more supportive and more encouraging and more forgiving than any man i had experienced and i had those men telling me you know you don't have to do this you don't have to live like this you can walk away from this you, you can still get married, you can still have children, it, you're not too far gone, you know, you can, you can totally change your life. And I'd always believed in God, but at this time I didn't know Jesus. And I told God, you know what, maybe they're right. Maybe I don't have to become this. Maybe enough time has gone to where he'll just leave me alone. And then I ended up getting epilepsy shortly after I reached that decision. So for five years I was epileptic and I still wasn't at my rock bottom. My rock bottom came the fifth year of having epilepsy where I was so desperate. You know, the only place I hadn't checked was God. So I read the Bible for an entire year and decided that, well, if in God's word it says he'll heal me, if I don't get healed, then he's not real, right? Jesus is not real. So I read it for a year. I wasn't healed. God's not real. That's where my faith was. So um, that was the descent. I mean, that was the rock bottom where I, I was at that new age level of trying to balance my chakras, you know, to get healing because I was just so desperate. But that was rock bottom. It took all of this other stuff to happen to get me to that point so that way Jesus could walk into my life and totally turn it around. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is so... Mm. I know it's a crazy story, right? Mm. <laughs> but like seeing you now, like it just shows like God's mercy and grace and you know, it just proves that God's real, you know what I mean? Hands down. Like straight up. The only reason I am alive is because of the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Only reason. I feel like I can relate so much to your story and especially with the fact of you know, God prove yourself to me because I'm very much a person that's, you know, show me like I need to see it. I need to experience it in order to believe in it. And at, for the longest time, I was just, you know, I grew up Catholic. I was with my, you know, my parents going to church like once in a while, you know, like the type that you, you only go for the holidays and whatever. But I, I never really I, I never really had a relationship with Jesus till I was about 23 but leading up to that I was just always like oh yeah I, I know about God and Jesus or what and whatever but I, I never like 
I never had that relationship and, and I was always taught or, you know, brought up that, you know, God's this mean, you know, being and, uh, you know, you're going to be punished if you don't do this and all, all that kind of stuff. And that just freaked me out. And I was like, I want nothing to do with this God if he's going to be like that. So <laughs> for the longest time, I was just doing my own thing. And I was like, yeah, I'll go to church, whatever. And, and it's crazy. Like during that time when, when I was like, you know, in high school and all that stuff, I was, I was still like living life for myself. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm not even thinking about Jesus right now. I'm just thinking about like myself and how do I look like on the outside? How am I going to become more popular because I wasn't popular in middle school or elementary school? I was always, you know, the fat chubby kid, never really have any friends and nobody want to be friends with me except, you know, when I had that glow up when I was like 15 or 16 then people started rumors saying that I was anorexic and all, all these kind of crazy things and then out of high school I still did not have a relationship with the Lord and I was still you know like I mean I was sleeping around but it was like with boyfriends it wasn't like outside of a relationship so I was like oh like this isn't bad or whatever because we're at least in a relationship but in doing so I was creating all of those soul ties and I was just like I was I would, I would always go from guy to guy and and I would never just take the time by myself to really analyze why am I doing this right now? Why am I depending on a man for my happiness? Why am I just trying to ignore my pain, my 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 deep, the rooted pain that I'm going through? And I was like, but I'm not, I, I don't have any issues. Like I, I was just always in denial. And like, we talk about that in Celebrate Recovery too. Like just always like, you know, living in denial. It's just, it's not a good way to live. And I was always like, you know, trying to smoke a lot of weed and like get drunk and like hang out with like all these cute guys. But I, I would say my breaking point was when just one day out of nowhere, I was like, I was tired of doing all of, all of that stuff. I was tired of, you know, sleeping around with men or like getting, you know, molested or raped or whatever have you. Because I mean, it, it it's been happening since I was a, you know, a teenager and I mean, I had an instance where this man was 25 and I was 17 working at a recording studio and, you know, he sexually, you know, assaulted me and, you know, I, I never got my justice from that because the owner of the place, he was like, I don't believe you. And then his wife was like, well, that's just part of the music business. And that just broke me. Wait, and that, that that Harry Feynman stuff? The whole Me Too thing? Yeah, it is. Okay, so like there was this man, I don't, I don't know his name, Harry something. And that's literally what he would tell these actresses. They're like, if you want to get in showbiz, you're going to do what I tell you to do and suck it up. Yes, yeah, it was exactly like that. Like that. Yeah, like I didn't think that happened in the music industry too, Celeste. God, that's awful. Dude, it really does. And the fact that it was like my dream because my dream was to become, you know, working in a, a, a record producer, like working in a studio, um, being with the music. I mean, I, it was like a rock school. Like I taught, you know, drums to the kids and like all this kind of stuff. And and this guy that owned the studio was like a, a Grammy nominated, you know, whatever. And he knew Selena Quintanilla. He knew he, knew, he had all these people. I right. But, you know, like I, I was so hurt because I was like, man, if I go to the news right now, your business would be done. Yeah. 
And he never fired the guy that did it to me. And you know what's worse is that they had cameras in there. And it's like, this guy had a gun on him, too. Like, the guy that did it. And it's just like, all of these things that I went through, I was just like, you know what, there's no God. Because if there was a God, that I wouldn't have gone through this. And then eventually, like, after going through all of these horrible things, I started to become suicidal. And I started to, like, abuse my, you know antidepressants and anxiety medications and to the point to where I was like I just want to die because I, I can't take it anymore and so one day you know my mom like she she just came up to me she's like Celeste like let's just go for a walk and I was like I don't want to go for a walk like I was literally just in my room in the dark 24 7 always sleeping because I did not want to even exist I did not want to feel I did not want anything and then one day she just was like let's go for a walk I'm going to tell you about Jesus and I was like, what? Like, we never have this kind of talk. I mean, she she would tell me, like, Bible stories, but she would never actually, like, talk to me about Jesus, you know? And so one day, you know, we went for a walk or whatever, and it was just like a regular day like this, like how it is right now. But it was kind of cloudy, right? And she, she told me, she's like, Celeste, I hear all of the pain that you're feeling, and you just need to give it to Jesus. And I was like, Jesus, what is he going to do for me? Like, you know... Like, as people say on TikTok, oh, your sky daddy's going to help you or whatever. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, I I'm the type that's like, you know, he wasn't there when I got raped at 16. He wasn't there when that happened to me in that recording studio. He wasn't there when this guy was, you know, gaslighting me. And all. Like, he just, like, I was just, man, I was just going off, right? And then at that point, she's like, but what do you have, what do you got left to lose, huh? And I was like, you know what, you're right. I was like, I'll give this Jesus guy a chance, right? <laughs> and it's so funny because she's like, she, I did the sinner's prayer, right? And I was like, Jesus, if you're real right now, I want you to show up and take away what I'm feeling right now. And if you're, if you're real and you take it away, I promise I will never feel like this or like not believe in you ever again. And literally, as soon as I did that... I, they, I was like delivered from suicidal ideations and like literally I have not thought about that ever again I, I have not like abused medications I have not dude it's so crazy it was a supernatural experience like like an axe like it was so, like I felt just my body like I just wanted to faint and like literally the sun was like not the sun was like not even really out but at that time the sun was like on me dude and it like followed me. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, and ever since then, I never looked back. Oh my God. You know what? It is so incredible. Cause that's like, I can't even imagine. I felt like that too, you know, towards the end of the whole escorting thing, just before the epilepsy, I just wanted to die. I didn't, I don't want to live anymore. Just somebody please kill me. And there was many times where that almost happened. And, you know, I could sense that God was calling me but I was just, I was so running and gunning and hell-bent on just drinking and self-medicating. I, I just didn't want to turn then. So there I am on the kitchen floor, right? Same attitude. Just like, well, here I am, stuck, literally can't get up. My brother's like six foot four, yeah. and he's trying to pick me up from the kitchen floor. He can not pick me up. So he's like, you need to start praying to whatever God you believe in. And the only thing that flooded through my mind at that time was all of the different stories about how Jesus healed people and how he cast out demons and how he saved people. And my thought process, like in an instant, was calling the name of Jesus, right? And I'm just like, why? What if it doesn't work? And that little still small voice was like, but what if it does? What do you have to lose? 
So I was like, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, God. I believe, mm-hmm. right? You said in your word that anybody who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. I'm calling. Yeah. I'm sorry I broke all 10. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you rose from the dead on the third day. I believe that you died for my sins. Heal me. Mm-hmm. Send me some archangels, Lord, to deliver me. And in that instant, I felt. Come on. So it is incredible that we got some people here that were delivered from things. Yeah. God is so good. God is so good. Yeah, he is so good. Like, and it's funny because like the next question I was going to ask is how y'all came to Jesus, but y'all beat me to it. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit moves, yes. he moves. Yes. When he moves, he moves. Uh, were y'all there when Robert and I shared our testimony? I was. Okay, so y'all know what we went through. Yes. So, like, I'm going to say a little bit more. I'm pretty sure Robert and I are going to have another podcast episode where we do share our testimony. Yeah. So, y'all are thinking about doing one, like, husband and wife? Oh, definitely. Oh, that would be we so cool. Like, we like, should. Spoiler alert. One of the podcasts, the first podcast that he's going to join me on, we're going to talk about sex before marriage and why we wish we waited. Oh, that's that is so, so good. Spoiler I'm alert. So excited. Stay excited tuned for it. that one, guys. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so... With my ex, my high school ex-boyfriend, we were together for three years, and he, like how we were talking about, like he was always suicidal, he always claimed to, like, threaten to kill himself, but he got me into smoking a lot of weed, and um, one of the rules was I can't smoke weed without him, because mm-hmm. I was going to cheat on him, and I ended up moving up to Corpus Christi, and I got a job at a retail store. And this kid, and I say he's a kid, I was 19 years old, he was 17, so he was a kid. Mm -hmm. And he was another cashier with me, and we were just going back and forth, talking, letting the eight-hour shift go by. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I gave him the wrong impression, or if my kindness was a way of him thinking I was flirting. But in the break room, it was like one of like the most hectic days it was like right next to christmas and um it might have been like a little bit after christmas i don't know not too sure but he came into the break room while i was about to leave and he was like rubbing my leg and i was like what is that so i looked down and he was rubbing my leg so i was like um okay so i got up checked to see if i could clock out early and that time system it didn't let you clock in early or late like you had to do it on the dot mm-hmm. so it said i had two more minutes i was like okay i'm gonna go to the locker room i'm gonna get my stuff put my stuff away and then i'm gonna book it out yeah. so when i went to the locker room it is a separate room from the break room but it's through the break room mm-hmm. he came up against me and like turned me around pinned me against the locker and started like touching me and I just remember like saying like stop it like don't touch me and he did not move and he was like a big high school football player guy so I had like no I couldn't take over and someone came in on the other room and he let me go so I went home and my roommate was there she was like hey what's wrong like she knew something was wrong and I just like bawled out crying like in the living room and um, I remember I called my mom three days later. She was like, hey, come home. You need to be home. So my dad was like, you know, you should quit. I'm like, my parents quit. Yeah. So I ended up going to the manager's office, and my roommate came with me because I didn't want to go alone. Yeah. 
Well, I told them, like, what happened and all this stuff. And I said, I'm sorry, but I don't feel comfortable working with him. Mm-hmm. I didn't quit. And he said, well, I'm sorry we had to let you go this way. And, what? yeah, oh it turned God. out that the manager was, like, the guy that assaulted me uh-huh. was his son. Are you yeah. Yeah. So I filed a formal complaint with the police. And they did stuff about it. I'm, I know that he got fired because I saw him working at HEB like a year later. Wow. Yeah, but I'm just so sick of people not taking these types of things seriously. But they dropped the charges because he was 17 years old and I was 19. Are you serious? Yes, and like I was texting him as a friend, and the like they're say like saying like this could come off as like you flirting, and I was like, you know what, this isn't even worth it. Well, I ended up telling him my boyfriend, and he was like, I can't believe you cheated on me. I'm like, I didn't cheat on you. Wow. So, no, like, th- like a few days later, he made a surprise visit. We were smoking weed in my apartment, and he got so mad, like, he almost killed himself. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And, like, my friends were there. They called the police. And, like, one of my friends knew about him. And she was like, we need to find a way for you to get out of there. And I'm like, I can't. Like, even, like, being in a long-distance relationship, like, he still has, like, authority over me. Like, I can't get out of it. And sure enough, she was the one that called the police. I am so grateful for her because she's the reason why that we broke up. And I'm so grateful for her. And I don't know. Like, in hindsight, right? Hindsight's always 20-20. In the moment, it's just so consuming. You can't see any way out of it. And for some strange reason, it makes perfect sense. And now here we are, like, what kind of crazy world were we living in? Where were our minds to to where we would even allow this kind of stuff to happen? It's incredible. Yeah, and, you know, I was, like, at, like, a low. I was so depressed. I was crying all the time. And then not even, like, like, it, I think it was, like, two weeks later. I'm not sure if it was rape. All I know is that I got blacked out. I don't know what I took that night. And someone, one of my friend's older brother that was there for the weekend, was bragging that he was sleeping with me. Real quick. That he slept with me that night. Yeah, real quick. I just want to, like, clearly define what rape is. So, rape. Like, if you do not consent... Yeah. It is rape. It doesn't matter if you get drugged. It doesn't matter if you just drank too much. It doesn't matter if you said yes before and say no on the bed. Like, it is non-consensual. That's it. Yes. Okay. So, even if it did happen, I really don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But if it did, it was not consensual. Yeah. And I remember having that conversation with one of my best friends because that was his older brother. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was, like, really upset with me because he's, like, I can't believe he was with my brother. Like, whatever. Like, are you serious? Yeah. Like, blaming you? That's why I'm laughing. This is why I'm laughing because it's, like, are you not listening to what mm-hmm. she's saying? Like, she's not cheating on you because some guy rubbed up on her. Like, she mm-hmm. didn't choose that. Yeah. Just like she's not sleeping with your brother. She didn't choose that. Yeah. Like, And I told him, I was, like, if I did do that, mm-hmm. it was non-consensual. But I didn't do anything about it because look what happened with my job yeah. at the retail store. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's like I live with that to this day. He lives with that to this day if he did do that. And honestly, I do pray for him because I know that that is just something that no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know 
inside the mind of people who are abused, like yeah. are abusing. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like I still pray for those people because they don't know. Yeah. But like that was whenever I hit my rock bottom. Like I did not know where to go. I ended up moving back home and my mom got me on like a Wednesday night. And she was like, come on, we're going to church. I'm like, I ain't going to church. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? I ain't going. And she was like, get up, we're going. And I'm like, okay, mom, I'm sorry. And I felt so at peace. I felt at home. And I got involved with my church. It was like a small little church. And throughout that time, until I was 21, when I met Robert, I was there at the church. And I told Robert this yesterday. I was like, it's not like you made me leave the church. It's just I ended up putting you before God, mm-hmm. and that's where I messed up. But Robert, you know, is an alcoholic. He was an alcoholic. Let me correct myself. He was an alcoholic. By the blood of Jesus Christ, he has been redeemed. Yes. And honestly, our relationship was so toxic in the beginning. Yeah. It was so bad. So let me ask you real quick. Leading up to your deepest, darkest point, did you have that same feeling that me and Celeste had of just like wanting to die? Like, was your depression that bad? Um, I'm pretty sure it was. I actually, yes. Um, I remember being like on the shore of Ocean Drive in Corpus and I was just like looking out into the water and thinking, what if I just drowned? Okay. And then it like clicked me, like, I'm pretty sure it was God talking to me. Like, what about your brother? My brother was, see, I was like 19. My brother was 10, 10, 11 years old. That was the last thing I wanted to think of is like, why my brother growing up? Why did my sister do that? And, like, that was the only time I ever had, like, a suicidal thought. And I immediately, like, rebuked it. Like, no, this is not happening. So, like, yes, I did think that. But coming into, after our wedding day, like, a few months later, you know, Robert's alcoholism got so bad to where he was drinking, like, bottles of vodka a day. And I just remember this one night I came home uh, from a bartending job and Robert was already knocked out at 3 a.m. I heard him choking and I pulled him to his side he threw up I went to the living room and I just collapsed on the floor and I was like god like what am I doing here like if this is what my life is going to become like I don't want it and I just married Robert a few months ago it's like it's not like I wanted to divorce him already it was like I just physically can't do this anymore I was like, I, and like at the same time, I was going through like a spiritual warfare because that was a year that we've been trying to have a child and I couldn't conceive. Like, and like after a year, it's like, okay, now you are officially like infertile. So now we need to find out what it is. So the devil was coming into my mind. You're not worthy to be a mother. You're not good enough to be a mother. All that sexual stuff that happened to you, this is the reason why you can't be a mom. And it was eating me alive. So I just, like, surrendered it all. I was like, God, like, I'm done with this. I'm done with this life. I'm sick and tired of the lies. I was like, come back. Like, why did you leave me? And God told me, I never left you. You left me. Come on. He was like, if you are my child, prove to me you're my child. And just watch me bless you with one. The next day, I slept on the couch. It was like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. The next day, Robert came to the living room at 6 a.m. 
completely sober he wasn't hungover he wasn't drunk what? he was sober and he said oh i cannot live like this yes. oh my mm -hmm. gosh look at jesus yeah. come on jesus and ever since then you know robert he got a therapist recommended cr he was in cr while i was in night school i came to cr so then i met y'all and here we are here we are god is so good oh my god he's so good i just love the amount of wisdom that you share and just like your willingness to be used by the lord incredible incredible I just it's just like i'm gonna just say this like if you are like questioning god right now if you're questioning jesus christ if you're questioning what god can do if these stories if my story linda celeste if our stories don't touch you to actually believe excuse me that god is real what are you waiting for like celeste and linda said if you're real let me see you and sh look look at them they're loving jesus yes, <laughs> yes. I, I swear, if that's one promise of the Lord is you seek mm -hmm. him and you will find him. Mm -hmm. Don't you ever, you. don't be afraid to ask him those hard questions. Mm -hmm. he, there's nothing that he doesn't know, nothing that he hasn't seen. He knows everything about you inside mm -hmm. and out. E even your worst doubts, go to him mm -hmm. and he will blow your socks off. He'll change your life and turn it around for the better. Yeah. Is there anything else, y'all, any words of encouragement yeah. before we sign off here, guys? Okay. <laughs> I just... I want to tell whoever's listening out there whether you know you're still in that abusive relationship or you're living in a in an abusive household or you know you're down and out still struggling with sobriety with no matter what drug it is or even if it's not even drugs or alcohol just sex addiction like any kind of addiction and you just you don't know what to do you've tried going to other gods you've tried you know the chakras you've tried you know all the witchcraft i mean whatever like all of that it's it's not it's not jesus and no matter how far you're running you know the prodigal son always comes home and i feel like if you were ever especially if you were raised up in it and at least like you know have a seed planted in you whether it was toxic or not whether it was like a religious spirit or not because i i grew up you know with people that are super religious and i still have family members that are that way but you know and i just kind of love them but from a distance just know that you know all all jesus wants to do is have a relationship with you and he just he wants you to know that there is grace for you that you're not too far gone from anything that you've ever done for all sin is equal not not you know murder and I mean, if you want to compare sin, you know, murder and then like having sex before marriage, like that is the same yeah. thing. Even just looking at someone lustfully, that is it's the exact same thing. And I know a lot of people still have debates about that and whatnot. But I just want to encourage you today as someone who literally argued with God. And, you know, there are still times I'm not perfect. I still argue with God because I am human and I am not in heaven and I still have so many questions. But, you know, just I would encourage you just to get in community, get with, you know, like minded people, you know, that challenge you in your faith that want to help you grow and, and you don't have to stay stagnant. And if you are in, you know, around people that are, you know, making you feel down and like not lifting you up at all like you need to get out you need to push them out of your life because that is the enemy blocking you from what 
God has for you. And I just encourage you that, you know, if you have any questions, you're always free to reach out to any of us mm -hmm. and then we will be happy to come alongside you and even give you just good resources. If yeah. you're in San Antonio, if you're in, even in, in Texas or wherever you're at, like we will, we will try to help you. Yeah. Actually, if y'all do want to follow Linda Celeste, you can find their um, link to their Instagram on the description below. So, yeah, like, you hear them, you know, you, you hear their story. If you have any questions, slide into their DMs. I'm pretty sure they'll help you out. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, again. I, I did want to say something okay. really quickly, just because I wasn't raised in the church, mm -hmm. okay? I, I wasn't raised in the church. We didn't read the Bible. I believed in God. I didn't know nothing about Jesus. And I think if somebody would have told me what I'm about to say when I was much younger, my life would have been totally different. Okay, Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin. Okay, so every mistake that you made, all the ways that you fall short, anything that anybody's ever done to you, Jesus paid with his life and with his blood for you to become a new creation and for you to have a new life. You don't have to carry it. You don't have to hold on to it. You can accept that, give it all to him and start over. Okay, you don't have to be perfect. Jesus is. You don't have to have it all together. Jesus has it all together. Okay, Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And even though you may not believe it, you don't want to hear it, you're not sure what you think of it, you can take all that to him. Go and investigate it. Okay, the Bible says that there are a lot of false prophets out there, so you want to test everything and hold fast to what yes. is true. Okay, so you go ask those questions and ask them to God. Go and seek his word, and you will find him. Yes. But it is Jesus who saves us. It's Jesus who makes us new, and it is all dependent on Jesus. There's only one way to get to heaven, and it is because of what he did on the cross for us. Amen. Okay, so please, please please investigate Jesus. Mm -hmm. He is the real deal. I promise you he is. Also, one more time, if you are somebody that you know is going through abuse or domestic violence, again, the number is 800-799-7233. That's 800-799-7233. Or visit thehotline.org. Linda and Celeste, I am so blessed to have y'all. It was a struggle, but we <laughs> did it. Oh, yes. It was, it was, it was so, I'm so glad. Honor, a privilege. Yes, thank you. They have a lot of stuff going on uh, coming up. So they're about to kick off a podcast. So make sure to follow them. So when they do come out, y'all guys could check them out. What is it called again? Texas. We're doing, it's San Antonio Christian Metal. That's that's what we're starting off with right now and to keep it local and who knows, you know, if it really pops off here, we'll take it nationwide, we'll take it global. Yeah. We're not gonna limit the Lord yes. and what he does in our life. If it's God's will, he will make a way. Alrighty guys. Well, until then, you'll probably have them back later in the future, but until then we'll catch y'all next time. Yes, be blessed. Be blessed. Bye guys. Bye.